0: So before we launch into today's episode of the and Bar podcast, we'd like to let you know about a competition we're running uh, to win a signed and personalised match-worn Tony Craig Rovers shirt. Um, we're running a raffle with every donation of £2, counting as a single entry, with no limit on how many times you're able to enter. So donate £20, you get 10 entries. Nice and easy. Uh, we wanted to make the price point as low as possible to allow as many people as possible to enter. Aren't we nice? Every single penny of the proceeds will go to the Bristol Rovers Community Trust and the Gas Girls, Um, We feel they've been the absolute pride of the football club and a real welcome boost to the community during the past year um, when the community so desperately needed them. So a a really nice way to say thank you. Um, The raffle will take place live on Facebook at midday on the Bank Holiday Monday, which is the 31st of May 2021, with a random name selected. The more you donate, the more entries you have and the greater chance you have of winning. Um, To find more details of this, head over to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash pod. Or our Twitter page, which is at Totem Bar Pod. You'll find the link there, and we'll also announce the winners there too. If you can't be bothered or you don't want to follow our socials, and who can who can blame you? Google Bristol Rovers Community Trust shirt and find the Just Giving link that way. Um, just two little bit of housekeeping. Don't donate anonymously. Um, we need to see how much you've paid or how much you donated in order to know how many entries you count for. Um, and we also need to be able to find you afterwards in case you win. Um, so if you want to hide your name and you want to email us afterwards, as some people have done, you can do that. Um, the email is, it is found in that link. And entrants must be 16 or over. Um, I think I've got to say that by law. But, you know, if you're under 16, just pester your parents. Um, you do it for YouTubers. You can do it for the Bristol Roberts Community Trust. Um, yeah, perfect. Cheers, guys. We're very pleased to say this episode is sponsored by Jeanne's Barbershop. Um, Jeanne's based on Froome Valley Road over in Begbrook. Jeanne and his family, they've done an awful lot for the football club. Most of you will be aware of the Lakata family um, as barbers in Bristol. They've got decades and decades of experience of cutting men's hair um, in Bristol. If you're someone who likes top-notch service, someone who likes talking rovers, um, then we can highly recommend visiting Jeanne over on Froome Valley Road. We'll obviously be donating his sponsorship money to the Community Trust and Gas Girls Raffle, so if you like putting your money with people who put their money into Rovers, you cannot go wrong with Jan. Um, today it has been something that's been a little while in the in the coming. Uh, Charlie's been working his his fingers to the bone to try and get this one over the line, and we're really excited to say that we're now we're being joined by former Millwall, Wickham, Crystal Palace, Millwall, Millwall, Leyton Orient, Brentford, Millwall, Bristol Rovers, and now currently Crawley Town defender, Mr. Tony Craig. Thanks for joining us, Tony.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, gents.
0: Brilliant. How first things first, how's this year been? How, you know, it's been a long, long year for everybody. It must be properly weird for, for, for a footballer to go from, you know, certainly to go from you know, a club like Rovers with the with the fan base they have, and then go go play behind closed doors. So how have you found the last sort of 12 months or so?
1: Uh, yeah, like I said, it's been a uh, very uh, tricky period. Uh, obviously, uh, without fans, uh, I'm sort of people at the club obviously realise what sort of player I am, and I sort of fry up off the fans, you know, uh, hearing their voices and the songs and, and everything. Uh, it sort of gives me a buzz and it gets the ad- adrenaline pumping even more. But uh, for me personally, I've sort of struggled to play behind closed doors, you know, with no fans and uh, everything. night, uh, just sometimes you feel it's a little bit difficult to get up for the game, if that makes sense. It's just all there's a lot of games this season where it feels a bit like a pre season game, and yeah. uh, it's one in where uh, it, for, for me, there's nothing better playing in front of full houses with fans singing, uh, shouting, and uh, like I said, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but that's the part of the game, the, the game which I, like, I, I personally like outside of it.
0: Was there a moment this season that was particularly weird? I think you know, just looking at it from an, from an outside perspective, I imagine that that Leeds result and the higher you must have been feeling after after beating Leeds as a football club and then not having fans in, in, in the building must have been a really strange, must have been really strange, surely.
1: Yeah, no, it, it is strange, you know, obviously, like you said, to beat a, a Premier League club and uh, from, from a league two side was was an incredible day. And uh, to not share that success with the fans was uh, one which was disappointed. And it was literally just uh, at the end of the game, obviously, you have a little celebration between the boys in the changing room. And, it's sort of done, you know, usually when um, I've been fortunate I've had some big scouts over my uh, my career and uh, it's one of them like you like to enjoy that experience with the fans and uh, it's one of them where usually they run on the pitch, sort of like hugging and, and and enjoying the day and it's just a shame that, um, that they couldn't be there that day but it's one of them where it was a good day and uh, one which we'll, uh, I certainly will cherish. And
0: this podcast, uh, you know, between us, we've got a little bit of an obsession with John Yems. Um, we think his, his pre-match and his post-match interviews are, golden uh you know we're not you know obviously we're not fans of, of crueltyly how how is yeah. he around the place is, is he looks like an absolutely amazing boat to work for do, do you find that or is he is he is he difficult because he's so direct like how, how does he how does uh, no, he, John?
1: he's a man who wears his heart on his sleeve you know he he, he says it there it is uh, he don't hold back no uh no pungs, as you should say and uh one fun then where he's got a lot of uh football knowledge uh he's been in the game for many many years uh I've known him cool, probably when I'm about 18, 19, because he used to work at Walk, So, uh, obviously, I've had that sort of uh, connection with him. Uh, so, so, I have known him uh, many, many years. But he, he's one in which I've, I've enjoyed playing for him. Uh, it, it's one of them where, give me a he asks for my advice sometimes and I can put my sort of input, which is uh, fantastic. If he listens to it, which he probably don't. <laughs> but, no, it's, uh, it's it's one of them. It, it, it's like everyone in football. I think uh, when you're a coach or manager, you've got to adapt and you've got to ask questions and uh, always learning on the job and if, if I can help in any way then, then brilliant but for me this season um, it's, it's been good I've enjoyed it there has been some um, as I've been at Crawley we haven't been we've been inconsistent you know we've had some good results we've had some poor results we've had some good runs and we've been on some bad runs and uh, I think where we finished in the league 11th or 12th is, is unfortunately probably about right where we finished yeah yeah
2: Only i got a couple of questions for you sort of taking it back a bit from Crawley can you tell us a bit more about your circumstances around you leaving Millwall and coming to sign for Rovers? How, how did that come about?
1: Uh, Quite frankly, at the time at Millwall, I wasn't playing. You know, I think before January, I think I probably played about six, seven games. And uh, for, for me, I'm a player who wants to play week in, week out. I'm not interested in sitting on the bench and collecting me money and, and, and everything like that. Uh, it's one thing where Mill did offer me a year's contract, another year on top, and I could have easily stayed. I'm easily stayed and... Maybe done the smooth transition of going into the coaching department or something like that. But for me, no, they, I don't get you, you miss that buzz in plan week in, week out. And uh, it was one then where um, I knew Stephen Mildenhall. Uh, obviously, he was the goalkeeping coach at uh, Bristol Rovers at the time. And uh, it, I remember, I don't know, he has going on the way to an away game. And he gave me a phone call, which Mildy, I, I kept in contact, with, say a phone call every three or four months. But this one was, come out of the blue, to be honest, and uh, it was more or less like, obviously, I know you as a person, I know you as a man, uh, I know you're not happy, because uh, obviously when you don't play, you're never happy, and he's saying like, well, I've sort of had a discussion and put your name forward to Daryl Clark, uh, would you be interested in meeting him? And uh, it was literally, yeah, of course, uh, I'd, I'd love to meet him, uh, see what his ideas are, see where he wants to, uh, wants to take Bristol Rovers forward. And uh, it, was, it was literally a couple of weeks later, uh, we met up, me, Daryl Clark and my agent in central London. Uh, so obviously he come out of his way to come and meet me. And, uh, and we had a good couple of hour chat, to be honest, because um, <clears throat> let's be honest, being a London boy and moving out of London and never in my life. And it's one of them I've got young kids and a wife at home and it's one of them. I'll be honest, he, he had to sell it to me because it, I could have easily quite comfortably sat travelled the country, sat on the bench, maybe got another six, seven appearances and then and gone from there. But no, that's not me. I wanted like a season of 40, 50 games. And in that time, I think I, I finished the last 18 games in that season when I did join. So it's one of them, come comes, spoke to me, uh, sold me the club extremely well. You know, uh, like I said, he he speaks very highly and uh, of the club and, uh top to bottom, and it was one of them. As soon as I was uh, spoken to him, uh, i come away. Um, and he sold it to me, to be honest. It was the big draw for me to come, was to play for him. And uh, it was one of them, again, we sort of discussed the playing side, but more importantly, uh, well, it was a side of I could have been a coach as well. That 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 was offered to me. But um, in the end of my first season there, uh, in the May, it was sort of a question, well, are you interested in being a coach or not? And at the time, I wasn't ready. Um, I, I knew that, and it was one then where I had a friendship with the boys there, and I thought, how can I be on the coaching side and go out for meals, go out for like a couple of cokes and, uh, <laughs> and uh, no, I'm joking, a couple of beers and all that, and I thought to myself, how can I be on the coaching side and do and go and mingle and have uh, go and see the, uh, the the places in Bristol, and it was one then where I think I made the right decision to be honest to continue and focus on the plan side. Um, it would have been interesting if I'd have gone down that coaching route now, maybe where I could have been. I never know. But but like I said, I'm 36 years old now and I'm still playing. So for, for me, I certainly made the right decision.
2: Yeah, you've Tony, you've kind of um answered one of my questions there. What were your initial thoughts coming in the building at Rovers? What were your initial thoughts there? Was it significantly different from Millwall or um or was it pretty similar?
1: Um let's be honest first and foremost I was at my comfort zone big time as soon as I walked through that door one I'm in a new city two I'm at a new team and three I didn't know no one in that dressing <laughs> and it's quite daunting being a new boy coming in uh, and, and everything like that so it was literally like oh bang I've looked through the squad list um, I'll be honest with you there wasn't many who I knew uh, so I'm sort of looking like, right, who can I mingle in with who maybe ones who've got kids and my sort of age similar age to me and that and um, I I walked in there and there was, it was a good bunch of lads straight away. I knew that straight, you know, I had like Ellis Harrison, Lee Brown and James Clark. They literally sort of took me under their wing straight away. And um it, it was one of them where at the start, I thought, oh, I could be lonely in the hotel here, you know, on my own because me, my wife and kids are back in London and uh, and everything like that. And I thought, one, I don't know where I am. And secondly, yeah. I'm thinking, but uh, but so it was quite daunting at the beginning, but I think graciously, it took a couple of days to, uh, for the boys to sort of uh, warm to me, realise what sort of bloke I am, um, and no, they were they were fantastic. You know, in the first uh, first couple of weeks, I mean, it made that a smooth transition to obviously uh, to progress and get the games in.
0: Did you feel Daryl Clark sold the club to you in a? You know, did he miss sell you? Was it was it was he a cowboy or, or did you did did you get pretty much exactly what you expected off the off the back of what DC said? Rovers was and well, is. Well, uh,
1: let's be honest. Uh, when I first joined the, the training ground situation, um, mm. I got a text message from uh, Daryl Clark saying, uh, This is where we train. This is Nuffield Gym near uh, Bristol Parkway Station. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh,
1: so, as you can imagine, I've done my research, looked at it, I thought, Wow, that's a beautiful gym. The pictures must be round the back. uh Everything like that. Bang is right next to the train station. So I can leave my car there and get the train back and forth to, to London whenever I need it. And uh, the first day I turned up in the morning, I believe I got text at like quarter to nine, and I had to be at half nine. Oh, new po- uh, new postcode. I think oh, that was a bit dodgy. Like, obviously, it must be a different uh, training ground. So, obviously, that was cribs. Yeah. So, as you can imagine, I'm thinking one we're trained at Nuffield Gym with everything on site, driving there, and then all of a sudden I've turned up to cribs on the uh, the first days. That was a, an eye opener. <laughs> uh, I remember knocking on the uh, Gaffer's door. I going, Gaffer what's happening here? Like? I thought you, you gave me two uh, postcodes here. He went, don't worry, Craig, you're not the first one we've done it to. You ain't going to be the last. <laughs> so uh, that, was a, uh, that was a good story from him. And that, so I had a chuckle there. But no, I, I knew what I was walking into. Um, it's one of them. I, knew, I knew the size of the club. Uh, obviously, I played there uh, numerous times. Uh, I certainly knew uh, the club I had the backing from the fans. Uh, obviously, very, very well supported home and certainly away as well. And uh, it, it was one of them which um, I knew what I had to do and what I had to give. Um is one of them, Daryl Clark said to me he needed a leader, he needed a man on the pitch and off the pitch as well, someone who can dialogue between the players and himself. And um, it, it was one of them I knew what I was there to do and the job in hand. That was obviously to be the leader, Let the, hopefully take some of the boys under the wing. They sort of well, hopefully they learned off me. Do you know what I mean, they might not. They might listen to me face and slag me off behind. But no, it's uh, it, it's one of them that I knew what Daryl Clark wanted from me, and that was to be a man and um, play week in, week out, and to lead uh, lead at the front on the pitch.
2: Ben Garner's a name that a controversial name currently among the Rovers fan base, and I understand you know or knew Ben Garner previously from your time at Palace. Is that? That is the case, I believe? Um,
1: no, Ben Garner was a youth team coach at Crystal Palace when I was there, uh, which was uh, a good number of years now. Uh, we didn't meet or anything like that. So uh, it's one of my new... I knew, off of, knew of him, yeah. but I didn't much, if that makes sense.
2: OK, that's that's fine. From the outside, as as fans, it appeared that when Ben Garner came in, he sort of tore down some of the approach that Graham Coughlin used um, when, when he was manager. Do you think... One, is that true, or is that a perception we get from the outside that is maybe a bit of a myth and if it is true do you think it was the wisest way to go?
1: Uh, right and let, let's be honest when Ben Ghana coming, in we were fourth in the league yeah. um, with the squad we had were we punching above our weight? Yes we was we all knew we was but we were drilled to let suck up the pressure absorb the pressure and then go and sort of more or less counter attack second balls robust team, um, was we pretty? No, but every single person in that team knew the job in hand and what was expected of them and everyone sort of sacrificed it. Um, obviously, it's a tricky time for, for Ben when he come in, December, Christmas time, uh, a lot of games in a short period of time. So, he didn't really have much time to put his input in. But did I believe he signed just before Christmas, didn't he? Is that correct?
0: Yeah, the yeah, week before. I believe. The day yeah, there was a the game on it.
1: Yeah, so obviously it's a tricky one for him because obviously the short period of time where you got four, five, six games, maybe in two and a half weeks. So we didn't really have much training to do because obviously it's game after game, you've got to rest, cool down. Um, the, the Christmas period is like we were obviously Christmas day off. So again, he didn't have his actual intentions and his ideas to show us. And um, it was just one them where maybe – the wrong time for him to come in, unfortunately, where he was a fantastic coach. You know, his training was, uh, was brilliant, second to none. Very, very well organised, uh, enjoyable training sessions um, and all that. But I think the, the, the plays he had, unfortunately, wasn't right for the style of play he wanted. And uh, it, it was a shame because he's a good man. You know, he's a good family man. Um, he's, he's obviously done his rounds in the footballing world obviously he's been Stoke, Crystal Palace uh, he's obviously been over to India so he, he's got that CV and he's got them contacts as you should all say but I think it was just unfortunate that when he did come at that time maybe if he came a month later where we only had games Saturdays and Saturday he could have put his input the whole week and maybe, obviously, you have another clear week, and that's two weeks training, training that you, bang, you can go with that method, and that's the way he wants to do it. But I think it was just unfortunate for him personally that the personnel we had and the ones which, let's be honest, you can tell the ones he obviously got rid of, didn't think it suited his style of play, you know. But, but apart from that, he, he was a good man, a good coach, but I think it was just unfortunate it's the wrong time for him.
2: Yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing but when Graham Coughlin left the football club, Ravers were fourth in the table. We've now seen what we're looking at 18 months later. Ravers have been relegated from League One. Do you think... I know hindsight is a wonderful thing. Do you think we'd have sustained a playoff push that season or do you think maybe we were right at the high watermark of where we were going to be that season?
1: You, you know how this game works. Anything's possible, you know. Uh, but, uh, like I said, we was on a tremendous run. Um, I think the confidence was certainly there. And the belief was certainly there. Um, it would have been interesting if he'd have stayed, and he had that January, January tr- uh, transfer window, and what players he could have bought in, bought in, because he's obviously the transfer window be- before he obviously put well bought in John O and Abu Agogo, you know, and I think them to have been successful signings for the club, you know. So obviously, like I said, one speaks for its own, and uh, so it'd have been interesting if he would have took us to that January, maybe got a couple of players that could have took us that next level, you know. But it, it's one of them now. unfortunately, we will never know. But at the time, we were fourth in the league, flying. And uh, as I said earlier, would, would anyone on their right mind say we were fourth or third best team in the league? If you look at it on paper, probably not. But if you look at our work rate, determination and our stats, the running stats were, were unbelievable at that time, you know. I think we, you get players running their 11-12K, which was... uh a lot of running to go through, but it wasn't only one or two. I think there's three, four, five getting them sort of figures. So I think it just showed the work rate we had at that time.
2: The, the gutting thing, slightly for me, is given that the season was curtailed short due to coronavirus and it went down to points per game, and given what Wickham managed to achieve, I think even with a semi steady run in the second half of that season, we could have gotten that playoffs. And for me, that that is gutting. Go, go on, Char.
1: Yeah, no, of course, you know, like I said, where the season finished nine games to go I believe wasn't it you know uh, it was one then where yeah it's a shame from where we was to where we finished you know the season certainly uh, pitted out it wasn't a, um, a pretty time uh, obviously we had a lot of results go against us but it, it's one of them where sometimes luck ain't on your side as well you know I believe uh, we missed a couple of penalties that time I think we conceded a couple of like last minute goals uh, I think we hit the post numerous times and Sometimes some things ain't meant to be, you know. I, I'm a believer that you get your luck at the right time, or the rubber the green, as they say. And it's just one then where, if you look back, there's a lot of ifs and buts. And uh, if you look at crucial moments in that second half of the season, we got too many crucial moments we didn't go for us. And I think at the start of the season, it seemed everything was dropping at the right time for us, and we scoring the goals at the right time. Or it's it's one then where you get the old swings and roundabouts. You can. Ifs and buts, but there was crucial moments that it just didn't. The ball would just not drop for us, for love or money, and it was it was a shame because it it was a good bunch of lads there, you know, all on the same on the training field, all on the same uh, page on the wavelength, and and everything like that. But it's just a shame that the season picked out. And as you said, obviously Wickham were. Very fortunate to, for the season to finish because I believe they were outside the playoffs at that point, wasn't they? You know, but they had the uh, the game in hand, which obviously uh, helped them propel them up to the playoffs and they had done, the, uh, done the business and, and got the uh, the win and took them up.
3: Yeah, I want to bring you back a little bit in Coughlin's time, but his last game, in fact, it such a way. I mean, as my time Sport Rovers, that is the best game I've ever seen. I want to know what was the atmosphere like at full time there because that's one of the biggest wins we've ever had. And come yep. to think of it, Coughlin's interview was quite infamous. So, <laughs> did you know at full time, or were you aware before? Uh, no, we certainly
1: didn't know before. And as players, we certainly didn't know there was uh, anything in the pipeline for this uh, to t- this has happened. happen. Uh, as you can imagine, uh, we went down to ten men. I believe it. We were ten minutes ago. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> no, I won't say it, <laughs> but no, uh, it, it was one them where, let's be honest, it town in that league. They'll. Too big for that league. Do you know what I mean, I believe they just dropped down the season before. They were the firm favourites for the league. And uh, it, it's one of them, I think, the first half hour, 40 minutes, I think, is probably the best football we've played when I was there. You know, there's some uh, unbelievable plays. And we didn't have Johnno playing in that game, to be honest. We had um, obviously Nico and who's your other Tyler Smith. Yeah, we had them playing up front. And uh, it, it was one of them where I think everyone was on top of their game. We just seen there was a sort of a hunger togetherness there, wanting to do something. There and it is one them where, yeah, they were they weren't happy, obviously Ipswich and, and all that. But no, it was a very, very good, good performance. We uh, certainly held on, but it's one them where I think we held on, where we were people chucking their bodies on the line, blocking crosses, blocking shots. Uh, I just believe that every man on that game just they had something to prove and to say, right, and yeah, I am good enough to say, Well, wow, we are top a top six side at that time So, say, right, and we can take on anyone. And I honestly do believe after that game, that was the belief which could have catapulted us to anywhere, you know, because it's, it's one end. them, if you win at places like that and down to 10 men, win 2-1 and, and let's be honest, did we ride that up? Probably, you know, like I said, the amount of blocks we had to do and, and everything like that, but it, it's one of them where it's us not only be, between the players, but I think the fans got the belief with us there, you know, I think that's the, uh, that was a, a big, pitiful a pitiful moment for that because I remember, the, obviously the fans, you could hear them singing their hearts out and, and, and everything like that and then, we're obviously all cheering and giving each other high-fives after the game. And then next thing I know, walked in the dressing room. Obviously, the gaffer comes in just saying like, yeah, gaffer, that's, uh, g- gents, that's my last game. Um, it's one then where I'm going to move on. And um, I remember someone saying, well, where are you going? Like, what's happening here? As you can imagine, we, we propelled ourselves up to fourth in the league, looking like that. And then bang, he's, he's saying we're leaving. You're thinking, well, oh, okay. I certainly took all the boys a uh, little bit by surprise it certainly got me speechless which is hard to do uh, and uh, it's one of them where I just remember as a few boys just looking around didn't know what to do and all that and it was one of them like obviously Graham Coffin had his reasons uh, it, it's one of them he's his own man he, he makes his decision and obviously he, he went on his way but it's just that it was unfortunate that like I said the transfer window was opening up in a few days so it would have been interesting to see what players he could put in and see where it took us from now because we'd have been a good proposition for any club, you know, at that time, in the playoffs, having I mean, certainly a very, very good chance to go up. So, uh, any sort of players uh, who the club would have been interested would have certainly looked at that and thought, well, yeah, definitely. You know, like I said, it's a, it's a beautiful place to live down there. So, uh, and a big club. So, so why not? It's got every ingredient to be successful.
3: Talking of last games, there, I want to take you back to probably the final one, March, we played Sunderland. I mean, that's just six hundred for parents. Yeah. I mean. Did you did you know there and then that was going to be your last Rivers game, or was it later down the line that you probably come across that uh, you won't be staying?
1: that's no, it's nice. That. It's going to be good fun there, saying six hundred game. But no, at the time, obviously, um, it's one of them. I'm 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 a private man. You know, I don't like to show me emotions. I don't like I said social media is not. I've got no interest in it. I'm not bothered to showing what I've got and what I've done and all that. But it, it was one of them where the club were brilliant with me that day. Um, it's literally they put. It's one thing I sort of put everything on for me, if that makes sense. That's how I really, really felt. I and mean, it's one thing that I've never sort of, um, never wanted it or never wanted to be exposed to it and everything like that. But it, I knew the achievement I made, you know. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, not many professionals can turn around and say they've made 600. And it, it, it was one thing, it's a, it's a touching moment now that if that was the way unfortunately, it was going to finish at uh, Rovers, then it was perfect, you know. It was one of them where the fans were fantastic with me, the, the board was brilliant with me, the all the coaching staff, all the players. It's just the way they treated me that day, I will never, ever forget, you know. And it, it was a, a great day that I... Well, even my kids missed school, so it must have been an important day, you know. So it's literally like I'd like, my wife and my kids there travelling up, like, obviously, on the, uh, the morning of the game. So it, for me, it's, it's still emotional now. Thinking about it, and it's one where the result obviously went well because uh, before that, we um, the result certainly wasn't wasn't going well before that. And I think, yeah, we lost to S- South End on the Saturday 3 1. And uh, it, it's one then where w- there was things said in that dressing room which needed to be said, and it just seemed that that was going to be the sort of the turning point, if that makes sense, where it could have all again, you know, the garner situation could have all changed for him. You know, he could have got a few more results from there, and let's be honest, you, you don't know where it could have, could have been to now. But it just seemed that it was unfortunate that way it finished. But for for me per, personally, it was a perfect time for, to finish. You know, Dagenham I'd love to play them other nine games to to get them appearances and to wear, obviously wear the four quarters again. And everything like that but it is sometimes when you do look at it, look back, and I think, well, yeah, it's sort of like a perfect sort of send off, really. So. You-
0: just picking up on that very quickly, just what you said about the fans and, and how quickly the fans took to you. I mean, obviously, you played in front of some amazing fans. Um, obviously, Millwall very well renowned for their for their fans. Um, you know, for, for good and for bad. Um, you've also got uh, Palace fans. Yeah, like, they're amazing. They're amazing. Um, also with with Palace at home, their their fan support's unbelievable. Um, with Rovers, I think I've never seen a player who who, who certainly defender who. Didn't maybe get a promotion, or didn't maybe get to a JPT final with Rovers, who every single fan I've ever spoken to holds in high regard and held in high regard. Basically, immediately, I've never seen. I, I, we haven't seen it since, and you know, we've never seen it before. How, where do Rovers fans rank for you in terms of the clubs that you've played in front of, or where do Rovers fans rank for you in terms of how quickly they took to you, Pat? Versus versus other support supporters that you played in front of, like like where does it does a club hold a special place in your heart for for the fans' reasons?
1: No, no, the the club always are special. I mean, I was there for two and a half years. Uh, It's one then where the fans were were brilliant with me, you know, as you said, from the beginning. uh, It's it's one then where, I'll be honest with you, again, I'm going to repeat myself here, do I look for it? No, but you can hear it sometimes, you know, and it it is pleasing to hear. Uh, It's one then where my me, me mum, my me dad and my brother went to away games, you know, and obviously they could sort of hear the chance and, and, and everything like that. And it, it's one then where I suppose really, like I was, I've been held in high regard, obviously at the, the other clubs and, and all that, but it's it just there. It just seems to just take off straight away. And it's one, I'll be honest with you, did I see it coming? No, of course not. You know, obviously a Londoner coming down to uh, to, to Bristol. I suppose that ain't going to happen. But but no, there was some fantastic people you know uh, there's a lot of people which unfortunately for you guys don't see who work behind the scenes and uh the, they were were superb and, and everything like but no the fans were just were just brilliant you know i can't speak highly enough of them and uh, of course they obviously hold a high, uh, high, high place in my heart uh obviously it's always the um i'll be honest with you unfortunately the second result i look at after, after the meal of course you know obviously yeah uh, we'll See, see, how you uh, see how the boys get on and that. But nice, no, it's, it's one in which I, I I'll always look back with great fondness and great memories. You know, uh, it, it's it's one then like the way it worked out. Could I've written that script? No, I couldn't. You know, went so far beyond my wildest dreams. It, it's one in where obviously, I think you could tell by the personality. My my personality is to come there. Give my all week in week out. You know, is it going to be pretty all the time? No, of course not. Am I going to have a good game all the time? No, but I think what I've realised with the Rovers fans is obviously if you give your all week in week out, show you care, show a bit of commitment, a bit of shouting, and and just show it that they they take you obviously uh, take you under their wing, and uh, it's one thing which I'll always be grateful for, and I I really do appreciate it.
0: Yeah, any center after that you know celebrates a tackle when they make one is straight in the hearts of the platform end every time. So just oh, back yeah. to your...
1: I get sick with that all the time, you know, but it's, really just it. it's just a natural reaction. You know, even myself, sometimes I think, what are you doing? Like, where does that come from? It's like where we've played with no fans in, I can actually hear what I'm saying and sometimes I cringe at myself and think, have I honestly just said that? But that's me, you know, and that's the adrenaline pumping. That's me showing my, my, my all and... I'll be honest with you. I, I look at it like I'm going on that football pitch to a wall, You know, that's, that's the way I look at it. And unfortunately, I look at things that if I look at it, that they're taking same off of me. That's the way I personally look when I play. And it's one of them. I'll try and stop anything who, who will do that. So you
0: you mentioned a second ago about your um, your chant. Did you know you had your own sort of personal chant? I think me and Ollie, sorry, me and Charlie went to Ipswich away together. And um, when we got out of um, of Liverpool Street Station with all the gasses after Ipswich and coming home. I mean, I don't know if there are any videos surviving of that day, but I hope there aren't for my sake. But all you could hear when you got out of Liverpool Street Station was just Tony, Tony, just reverberating <laughs> all around the platform. It was i oh, never—it was um, superb.
1: Yeah, no, I'll, I'll be honest with you, yes. That was the first time I heard it was at the Ipswich game. And uh, yeah. it was one day where, yeah, it, it was nice to hear. And it, it was one thing where uh, I, think, I think it's the first time even my dad thought, oh, wow, you've actually got song time. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> All the years and everything like that. it's like wow, like it wasn't just one or two, or probably what it normally it's My dad and my brother and my missus and my kids only singing it, you know. But they was saying, like, this one is literally like everyone is uh singing it. So, no, like that, that is the first time I did hear it. It was nice at the old factors end, like they're singing it and, and everything like that. And of course, it you get a little smile on your face. And but no, it's one of them, it gave me that more determination to do more to show that yeah, I'm, I'm being appreciated for here sh- for doing something which I. Let's be honest. I'm doing something which I love doing, you know, and I feel very honoured and humbled to to be doing, still doing football at my age and being a profession I'm in. So to to get the recommendations and the the good signs from other people and certainly the fans, then then that was that was brilliant. You know, that was a uh, it is one thing,
3: yeah. It did bring me a little smile to the face, a little cheek cheeky laugh. Talking of appreciation and good memories, how appreciative were you of the Christmas party? after South End because I remember coming over in the car after we would beaten South End four two and to where Coughlin said after oh, time he told you it was all cancelled. Yeah. I mean, well. Yeah, that was that yeah, was, that uh, was, was... <laughs> Yeah, was
1: we two 0 down, I believe, or two one I okay, uh, one of the two and uh yeah, that was cancelled. At half-time, that, um, yeah, that was that was done and dusted. And as you can imagine, I think i will pay me, uh, me coach there up there, me train home. I think, gee, I don't want to lose that. So, <laughs> but no, it, it's one of them where uh, we knew at that point it wasn't good enough that first half. You know, and uh, it, it's one of them where I think that group of players liked it when they had sort of, um, what's the term I could use here? a rocket up their backside, to be honest, you know, sort of told in no certain terms and uh, not politely. And I think some players like to be model coddled and say, you're the best thing since sliced bread and you've done this correct and all that. And some players like to be told like a man, you know, and uh, sometimes saying that ain't good enough. And I think that was one of them games where, yeah, we let ourselves down that first half. And um, yeah, Southend were, were struggling that, that season and uh, it's one of them where For 45 minutes, again, that's probably one of the best 45 minutes of football ever, really, wouldn't it? I think Ed Upson scored a quarter and I think Jono scored a couple. And uh, obviously after that, as you can imagine, um, going back in the dressing room after, obviously deep down you knew the old Christmas party was on, but you're obviously looking at the gaffer thinking like, are we uh, are we going or not? Like the coach is outside waiting for us. And uh, more importantly, I've got my train ticket booked for a couple of days time back down to London. So as you can imagine, it's one of them thinking, oh, I've only got the old, um, I can get my money back on that because I booked it too early. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you mentioned Jollo there. Uh, during your time at Rovers, you've been blessed to play with some quality players, some of the best I've seen. You've got Anthony Chacola, Tom Lockyer, young Alpha Kilgore. I mean, that defence of you, Kilgore Davies, that was probably the best I've ever seen. Does that rank up there as one of the best defences you've played in?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, certainly. You know, there was some, uh, obviously, when I first went there, Tom Lockyer, uh, I believe he was 23-24 when I went now. Uh, obviously, playing for uh, Wales international and uh, the amount of games he uh, he got over that period at Rovers is incredible, you know. And uh, he was a very very good pro, you know. He done everything right. He looked after his body, ate the right food, and uh, I wish him every success in the future. You know, that's why he's playing championship level now, and uh, he deserved that. It, it's one of them. Obviously, young Alfie Kilgore I think the. Uh, it's bright, a bright future for him, you know, um, I, I think he'd be the first to admit it's been, been a sort of a tough season for him personally, but I, I think that's obviously, unfortunately, it's the, the way the team's been uh, and everything like that. But he, he's big enough, a man enough to take it on the chin and uh, he, he's one of them which he learns day in, day out, you know, he's one of but like, he's the, the first one in, last one to leave, he uh, he works double hard on the, uh, the training ground always asking for advice you know like you think Jesus I want to go home like sometimes you know let me uh, let me breathe will you like let me get out of here like but no um, I I certainly oh sorry gents, I certainly see the um, yeah a bright bright future for him personally you know I think this this season will be a a great learning curve for him Uh, it's one of them and uh, I believe that he, well, he's, he's obviously old man, He can certainly be a, a. He's going to be a future captain of the club. I think that's, uh, everyone knows that. Um, obviously, Tom Davis. It, it was a shame for him to be honest because at the time he got the knee injury, I think he was uh, he was getting better with game by game. You know, he was certainly a man. He had the stature, the size, but more importantly, he had the commitment. And uh, the, the thing I loved playing with them two and them three is obviously they all wanted to better themselves. So when they want to better themselves, I want to better myself. You know, I'm, I'm one of them. I'm very competitive that I don't want to be left behind, and you know how this game works you can easily be left behind, and someone can overtake you, and everything like that. And I think it's not only that, they were uh, characters on the pitch, they had a voice, they had a presence, and they, they weren't shy in having their uh, saying their opinion and, and not being telling people when they needed to be told, and and everything like that. So, with uh, with Tom Davis, obviously. He's had the two knee injuries, you know, he's obviously had the operations with him and uh, he, I played against him at Barrow a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of months ago and uh, I think that was about it, probably his fourth or fifth game and uh, given me his due, I think he's, he's won me unfortunately, he won't, he won't mind me saying this, he ain't like myself who, who are gifted footballers, you know, we, we have to work that hard day in, day out, you know, we have to you get boys who come in pre-season or make got their touch straight away. You know, like, players like me and him probably takes two weeks before I get our touch and our fitness and, and everything like because we have to graft and work hard for it. So I, I, I do believe that he, he's done well at Barrow. You know, obviously he's kept him up and uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens with him because not only that, he's a good character around dressing room. He's a good character everywhere and he's the man and uh, he's one of them. He certainly uh, ain't shy and things which need
3: to be said. Yeah, on the pod before we've had a uh, defender Mark Brown from Newport. I mean, a couple of similarities with yourself, but probably one you probably won't want to be reminded of is your two losses at Wembley. But like him, next, first time of asking, you got promoted. I felt cool. how was it? But were the two separate occasions, really, did it feel different? The first time, second time, or? Uh, the, yeah, the first. The first time I. Uh... I got promoted
1: uh, it's one of them I'll be honest I broke my metal tassel in that game so uh, it, it was one of them where I got subbed after 45 minutes I believe yeah just before half time so we were one I, I put it there though we were one nil up when I come off you know so uh, it weren't too <laughs> mad, but no it's one of them where um, yeah I was I'll be honest with you I was in a lot of pain that day and um, it, it's one of them where it's a pleasing day obviously being a, a Mill fan when I was a kid and everything I had to obviously walk up them steps at Wembley playing for them was fantastic even the the club doctor said to me, Tony, you can't walk up the steps. I said, what do you mean I can't walk up the steps? I'm like, well, you're on crutches. You've broken your, your, your third and fourth metal tarsal. I was like, Doc, like, I'm not being rude. Players and people wait all their lives for this. Do you honestly think I'm not going to go up there and lift the trophy? I went, you've got another thing. Well, I did say that politely, but it's one thing I said, like, Doc, I've been waiting my whole life to do this. So it's, it's one thing I was pleased to get that. Um, I, It was a fantastic day. Then I had the promotion with Brentford. Uh, we come up runners up in that league. Uh, that was a very very good season. A great side as well. You know, it was uh, good good players there. And then my last one, at Millwall. That will um, being captain at Wembley. You know, again I'm boring you, but the, the team I supported as a kid, wearing the armband, walking up them steps. Does it get any better for me? No. Like I just remember just looking back when you're a kid and when you play at the local park and. You know, like, oh, I want to play at Wembley. You know, I want to do this. I want to do that. You want to play for the club you support as a boy. And it's, it's one of them where I just remember walking up the steps and just like whispering to myself, take this in, take this moment in, because this is a moment you've dreamt of. You've worked hard. And let's be honest, people don't see the stuff we have to sacrifice behind the scenes, you know, and when we're younger and, and everything like that. And yeah, walking up there and lifting that trophy, like, now and with the family looking down and my mates who are season tickets up looking up because they're all close to me and it, it, it's one thing like for me that is the pinnacle you know it, it, it's, it's one thing like if you speak to any young inspiring professional footballer coming now obviously one to make a professional footballer but if you can be a, a winner at Wembley then it, it don't top that to be honest.
2: Tony so, you sort of mentioned there that you're a boyhood Millwall fan what are your first memories of football be it playing or watching
1: Millwall or whatever that is what are your first memories my first memory is uh I remember playing in my local park you know uh, with my dad and uh I think my dad's mates to be honest you know just sort of like messing around and just uh having a laugh and because probably I'm that old I probably just had like a little <laughs> little local Sunday just to mess around between them and that but no I remember my first sort of uh game when I was eight years old uh, and that was at the same part where I, I did play with my dad when I was a lot younger. So it's a team called uh, Crossways. And then it's funny, like, my me, me mum's side's Millwall and my dad's sides like, sort of Arsenal. So it, it's one of them that, at the time, I sort of, well, I had to go Millwall because that was the cheapest one. You know, obviously the Arsenal prices were extortionate. So uh, it, it's one of them that, obviously, I went down uh, my mother's side route. And uh, I think the first game was probably when I was about quarter. Put me on the spot, probably about seven or eight years old. So it was a good, a good number of years ago. And it's, it's one in which you know, I do look back with uh, great memories, you know. And uh, I just, it's, it's even better to look back and think, wow, like you can look back and think, yeah, I've done that, you know. And, and then I can look back and say, yeah, I've done done the two. So it's fantastic. Do you,
0: you have managed to play at both dens? Did you manage to play at the old den and, and the new den? I think. How old do you think I yeah,
1: I was just thinking you might have just missed, you might have just missed that in your, your career. No, I didn't have the uh, no, unfortunately I didn't have the pleasure of playing at the old game. You know, that was a, that was a long yeah, it was a gone certainly a long time before I went, you know and yeah. uh, it's, it's one in where you um, it wasn't a pretty place you know you could literally run it was like a circle you know you could run all the way around it and if he like, was a waste pull well, a then wow Like I heard the stories from uh, Foley the kit man at uh, Bristol Rovers I think he uh, he went there and I think it was a, a rough old day for him you know and he <laughs> told me some good stories you know but yeah we had I the team- same
0: sorry
2: I do actually believe I'm correct in saying that the last game at the old Den was actually against Rovers, I believe. According, yeah,
1: you're right there. Yeah, 100%, I, yeah,
2: again, I'm. I wasn't. I'm not old enough to have been there, but my old man was there, and he claims it was absolutely petrifying.
1: Yeah, yeah. carnage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what Folly was talking about. To be honest, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I've heard the stories, and I certainly know what your uh, your dad went through, and uh, lucky he got out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the old the well the new Den for for me is certainly uh an interesting place to spend your Saturday afternoon visiting?
1: Yeah, no, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it can be a very, very intimidating place for, for teams, you know, I've seen teams quivering in, in the tunnel, you know, over the years, you look you look to your side and think, wow, we've won the game before we even uh, walked out, I've, I've, uh, I've seen wingers don't want to go on the byline, you know, because like I said, the fans and the, uh, the, the sort of the abuse they get and, uh, and all that so it is, a, it is an intimidating place but like I said the, the men is as well you know it, obviously once you get the uh, the fans right behind you and uh, I've experienced both sides and uh, I've, I've been told I'm a few things from <laughs> obviously some of them but uh, which I won't repeat and uh, no it, but it was certainly brilliant to play in front of them you know we're four quarters and everything like that
2: It's interesting that you mentioned there Tony the sort of new Dan atmosphere I'm from Bristol, but I'm currently fin- just finishing off my degree in Leicester, and Millwall obviously beat Leicester in the FA Cup. I want to say 2016. I don't know if you were playing.
1: Yeah, I did that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, yeah.
2: Know. There's quite a famous story about the now England fullback Ben Chilwell g- going over to take a throw-in and not wanting to take a throw-in because of the new den crowd being that vociferous.
1: Yeah,
2: is it? Is it really? Is the atmosphere there as hot up as it?
1: Oh yeah, it can be you know with a full house uh, when uh, Mill when in, in like in the front yeah it, one nil ahead you know they certainly were the twelfth man you know and uh, if they could help in any way and if that means intimidating players um, on and off the pitch then then they'd do it you know and uh, it's one of them like but like I said they're similar to the Rovers fans you know it's, it's one of them they like players who give their all week in week out they uh, it's one of them show you you show a bit of passion you show a bit of care and. And and nothing like because let's let's be honest, you know, um, not every player is most talented or technically gifted, and and nothing like. But if you show that willingness and the hard work, graft, and determination, fans and people will accept you. You know, it's one them where you, you look at the footballing world. Unfortunately, there's players who are more technically ability than most, you know, but sometimes the technical ability don't take you that that far because you haven't got the heart and you haven't got the passion. You ain't got the desire. And uh, it's, it's one of them that, uh, for me personally, I know that I'll probably maximise the ability I've got. Like I'll be honest with you, I know what type of player I am. Am I the most gifted? No. <laughs> Far from it. Have I got the best touch? No. Most, am I probably the best player? Nowhere near it. Of course not. I mean, I've never been at any club I've been to. But I think I've shown over the years that that I will work harder than anyone. I will give my all, show show passion, determination and more importantly, enjoyment as well. You know, I've, I've had so much enjoyment over the years through the game, and I've I, I've been very fortunate to 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 still be a part of it. Do
0: you, as a Mill fan, did you get to many um, many away days yourself? Obviously, Mill have got quite a few rivalries, not just around <laughs> London but dotted around the country. Have they? Did you manage yeah, to no, experience I, them as a fan?
1: Yeah, no, I used to go uh, some away games. Yeah, like uh, it, it's one name. Like even when I uh, the season before I was a YTS, I still had a season ticket. You know, So as you can imagine, like I used to sit in the Lane with my mates uh, and all that and then got the YTS and then because I got three seasons, you go, oh no, I'm going over there now, you know, in the West Ham. <laughs> but no, I travelled to uh, quite a few of my games, to be honest. Um, Tuesday nights as well, which uh, obviously ain't the, uh, the most thing, uh, best of school in that. But, but no, we obviously went to Cardiff, the old Ninian Park, uh, obviously, I went there on a Tuesday night. I think I got run round Cardiff about three or four times, hiding in the back of someone's garden and, uh, and, and everything like that. So no, I've had the uh, the away days with the uh, with the fans and that, and uh, it's one which I, I look back with great memories. You know, for, for me, I think the away games and the, the away experiences sometimes just as good as the home. <laughs> you know, you go there, obviously you're outnumbered and everything like. But no, it's, it's one of them that like, you look back with great memories.
0: So now that you're obviously a footballer and a, you know, a very successful one that had a really long career, do you, do you still feel the same way about football as a, you know, from a fan's perspective, do you still feel the same way about Millwall knowing how well Millwall operate internally and how other football clubs operate internally? You know, do, you, do you still see football from a fan's perspective or is it, is it sort of morphed into just, just business you now? And you look for Millwall if they win or lose, or you look for Rovers second or, or whoever, and then you're just onto the, onto the next one from there. And it's just, it's just
1: business now. Has no, it, it lost it, being part of it? No, I'd never lose it. You know, I, I love the game too much. You know, I, I love it. Um, it. It's one in which, um, don't get me wrong, I've been very fortunate that the game obviously has helped me and what it's done for me and, and everything. Like I'll always appreciate that. But look at it as a business? No, I always look at it as the love of the game. You know, I just, just nothing better playing, even watching. Like, even my, my wife and kids will say, any tele, any game on the telly, I want to watch. You know, obviously, I'm very fortunate now I've seen other sides of the game and uh, all what happens off the field and in the offices. I've, see, I've seen all that side and it, it, it's one of them, you know. It's a business and every business has got to survive and thrive, unfortunately. business is Most businesses have got to make a profit, haven't they, you know, at the end of the day. And it, it's one of them that, do I look at it as a business? No, I don't. I just look at it as a, a great sport, a great game and one which I'm very privileged
3: to be a part of. Looking at, your time at Millwall, you've had. It seems like you've had a fantastic relationship with Neil Harris throughout the years. Looks like you're playing with him. Was that was that different from playing with him to him being your gather? That must be quite. a
1: Yeah, no, it was. Um, yeah, I've known uh, Neil Harris for numerous years. And that, uh, it's one of them. He even come to my wedding. You know, so it, it's one of them that we have got a relationship. Uh, obviously, speak to each other on the phone. Uh, Numerous times uh, through the month, and that, but it, it's one of them that I remember the first time when he signed me, I walked in the office and said, Right, what, what am I calling you, gaffer or or Neil? You went, No, I'm your gaffer now, mate. Like, well, not even mate, you went, No, I'm your gaffer. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, okay, like, but I didn't want no special treatment. I didn't want no sort of different relationship or anything like that. Because at the end of the day, when when your manager or your, the gaffer, he's the man in charge, he's the one who makes the decisions and everything like that. And I knew that one day, that I was going to drop he was the one who dropped me and dropped me and obviously let me go and everything like so it's one of them that that's football and that again we go back to business that's business you know and that's for him what he thinks were, were better what he thought he could make the team better and unfortunately it wasn't me involved but we're still friends today and it's one of them which I knew I appreciated the job he was doing and the hard decision it was because it probably was but it's one of them you have to this game, you have to look after yourself, you know, and what you think is the best decision for the team to go forward. And unfortunately, at that time with him, it wasn't me involved.
3: Yeah, keeping with the idea of friends, from an outside in, look like yourself and Tom Nichols had a great relationship, and obviously he's at Crawley now. There's obviously the big picture of him dressed up as you on one of the parties. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <for> him, <Thomas. laughs> Of course, you must be buzzing from. He's obviously gone to Crawley now, and it looks like he's bagging the goals for... Fun. are you surprised that Ivory scored so many at Crawley or are you surprised it didn't work at Rovers? Maybe how uh, we
1: planned? I'm certainly not surprised he scored the goals and got the assists at uh, Crawley. <clears throat> you know, I always saw the player and the potential he had. You know, it was just, um, again, it, we talk about moments and clear-cut moments and sometimes that ball doesn't drop for you. But what people don't see is his work rate, his hold-up play, the way he brings other players into the game. He's his selfishness, he is so unselfish, sometimes I used to say to him, shoot on sight, but he would rather set someone else up, because he always thought it was a better opportunity for them, so people didn't see that the the work rate and the commitment he gave, and uh, he was one of them that, unfortunately, there was a, probably, I think he missed a couple of pens and, and everything like that, and he just didn't get that rub of the green, no matter what at that time, but we, as players, we all knew the talent he had because we saw it day in, day in, day out in training. You know, the way it sort of finished and, and everything like And I, I, Numerous times he sort of hit the post, it come out, or I think one even it the post and rolled across the line. You know, and, and hit the, the other post, you're thinking like, wow, what, what has he got to do to, to get this goal? And I think even in the end, everyone was brief, like trying to blow this ball in for him. But... He's such a smashing lad. Do you know what I mean? He was such a great lad. He was always the life and soul of the party, you know, laughing and joking. Um, he's one of them, I think he's well documented now. He knew what was happening at Rovers, you know. He, I think he had a bit of weight lifted off his shoulders and and, and everything like that. But he's, he's come to Crawley and he's getting all the plaudits which he deserves. You know, he, he's come there. He's the the main man. Uh, again, he's been very selfless, selfless and bringing other players into play. And I think he's got... 16 goals and 13 assists this season you know and uh, he's been incredible like this year he got the player of the year which he thoroughly, thoroughly deserved and it's uh, one of them where you just didn't have that rubber of green again you know I'll repeat that word that's a, a big word and it, sometimes he just didn't them goals just wouldn't go in but people didn't see the other side of the game he was doing you know like I said I think if you look at a few of Jono's goals Nico was always involved or always there round about and close and 'Cause like I said, Jono, you know, Johnno loved him, you know, he put a, a great statement out for him at, at a crucial time for him, you know, because he was getting a bit of flack at the time, wasn't he? And then Jono was sort of there to p- protecting him and putting it out of the press and just saying, Well, hold up a minute. It's not only about me getting all these goals and getting all the plaudits and everything like that. You've got to look around at the people are close to me. And uh, it's one of them where Nico, we had a player called Max Waters who we went on to um to Cardiff for, for a million quid. Like this boy Come from non-league, he wasn't even playing in planning non-league. He's come to us, he had Nico next to him. I think Nico got him eight assists, and then the boy gets a million pound move to Cardiff. So it's, it's sometimes the the stats obviously. I know he's been brought up to goal score, but he's sometimes you see the other side of the game and thinking, wow, like he's contributing in other in so many other ways.
2: Tony, I think you make a very interesting point there. As a fan, obviously, we don't know what Tom Nichols was signed as. He was signed for quite big money for Ravers at the time from Peterborough and he was also sort of sold to the fans as this number nine he was going to score lots of goals do you think that hindered him in a lot of ways
1: do you think the Um, yes he got bought for for big money but if you look at his record before that he was obviously he had a good goal ratio and everything like that. but then sometimes Star will play, or sometimes let's be honest, moves don't work for players. You know, like sometimes it's just it just he can do everything. You know, but but for one thing, for him, he did not stop working. You know, he come in every day, worked hard, always had a smile on his face, never down or doom and gloom or one of them. Why me? Why is this happening to me? He never had no excuses. You know, it's just it, it, it's one of them that. Yes, obviously, I think he'd be the first of me. He, he, he could have got a few more goals, you know, but there's another side and, and the way he worked and behind the scenes, on the pitch and everything like that, unfortunately, goes unnoticed. Let's let's be honest, these these other sort of things do go unnoticed and he was maybe really being a bit too unselfish helping other players out, where, where now I think he's got that mentality of, well, I've got to look after myself first. Bang, if I'm going to get a shot away, bang, I'm going to do it. And again, that's... Maybe confidence and belief that he's the top. Like now, he probably is our top player, you know, and he's got that belief, which is which is great to see.
3: Yeah, of course. You say John Yems linked right, right back to start. He asked for your advice. Looking over the summer, a few of you joined from crowley From I think Sam Matthews joined you as well. Is there a bit of a agent Tony Craig involved there, or <laughs> <laughs> Sam Matthews was there before I signed? Before oh, I signed, yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, Yem's, Johnny Yems knew him
1: from uh, Bournemouth. Oh, fair no, enough, uh, but no. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take. Yeah, I'll t- I, yeah. It's me who said, take Nick- Tom Nichols in. Uh, I'll be honest. I put the uh, the word out there to the gaffer. Uh, we were we were looking for a striker at the time. Um, I, I, I more or less sold it. Said to him, "Right, and he's a he's a great bloke. More importantly, he's a grafter." But I just think he needed a bit of um, a bit of an arm around him. You know, a bit of confidence, uh, a bit of sort of. Get his confidence, believing in himself again, and, and everything like And uh, uh, I'll be honest with you, he, he's paid he paid back dividends, you know. He's been absolutely fantastic from the club, you know, from the first moment he walked into the door until unfortunately he got sent off at Newport. But he's <laughs> one of them, that, uh, but no, he, 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 he's he been brilliant this season to, to be honest. And uh, it's an interesting summer for him, so it'd be interesting to see where what happens to him.
0: Just on Sam Matthews, really quickly. Um, uh, another one, I, I think, Rovers might look back on as the one that got away. I think I don't know about you, but in terms of technical ability and just ability to to just travel with the football, he's a, he is absolutely superb. How's he? How's he getting on at Crawley? Has his ceiling? Is his ceiling still as high as it perhaps was when he came to Rovers in the first place? Like, h- how's he doing? Because we, me, it's, Charlie, it's, we're really fond of him.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of them. As I said, you know, when we talk about pre-season coming back, it takes me two weeks to get me touch. Sam Matthews is one of them. He can, he can have two, three months or bang, the touches there and the way he glides with the ball and, and everything like that. But no, Sam's come in. Uh, he's, he's done okay. Uh, he's he sort of, he's done well in dribs and drabs. You know, he's sort of been at a five or six games consistently and it, it seems he gets a little knock, you know, which puts him back two weeks or something like that. And Then he misses three or four games and he gets back into the swing of it. Um, I just think it's one of them where he maybe he's got to get to that game now. Where next season is a big season for him personally where he's got to play 30, 40 games. Uh, I believe he's 23, 24 now, I believe, something like that. So yeah. he's not that young, sort of young pup no more. He's going to like a, a recognised sort of player and uh, he's one of them he's very, very gifted. Uh, he's, shown, he's shown that side of his game. But uh, for, for me personally, and I think himself, I think he knows there's a lot more to come and that's being that trusting himself but more importantly, he's got to be uh, more consistent with it as well.
0: So just focus there on two players' exits and Rovers and Gonda Crawley. How did how did your exit and Rovers come about? There were some there were some rumours that you might have wanted to to stay in Bristol. Can you put that to bed? Can you confirm <laughs> that, or was it a case of you wanted out? No, and it's it's
1: you been well. Um, I wasn't offered nothing. You know, uh, Ben Garner rang me up. Um, it, we obviously through lockdown, we sort of kept in contact. He kept in contact with all the boys see how we were, see how the family was, obviously, because it was a, a challenging time, you know, with COVID, you never knew what was around the corner. Uh, and then all of a sudden, bang, he, he, we had about a 20-minute discussion about something, I can't remember, and all of a sudden he went, yeah, Tony, there's nothing here next season. I went, you what? He went like, yeah, there's nothing here for you next season. Well, he took me by surprise. It um, was one of them that, yeah, so it, it, was, it was difficult, you know, don't get me wrong, because it was the first time in my career I've actually been released. You know, so as you can imagine, that one that I'm not used to that. Uh, two, um, d- did I deserve a contract from from the club? Yeah, yes. I, I, yeah, I, th- I yes. think I probably. Yeah, well, hey, thank probably, you, 100. Yeah, no, I think yeah, I think I was still showing that I was adequate to play in uh, League One football. You know, uh, I didn't miss a game, didn't miss a training session. Uh, I, th- I thought I'd done well that season personally. You know, I was quite pleased how it personally went. And then to get told there wasn't no, nothing there was, um, you yeah, know, I, I was gay. You know, I, I won't lie. It was one thing that it, it took the, um, the sort of question out of my, my mind, obviously, s- s- should I stay or, or what? Because there, there wasn't a decision to make because I, there was nothing on the table for me. So it was just that, uh, yeah, I, I was gay, you know, but obviously a little bit hurt by it as well. And uh, because... Again, I go back to people don't know like what I was doing behind the scenes. You know, obviously <clears throat> I was speaking to Ben Garner, maybe like how we could sort of tw- change things, twist things, but it's one then that Ben obviously wanted to take the team in a different completely different direction. Uh yes, I've maybe my age played a part into it. Well, no, in fact, I know my age played a part into it. You know, I'm 35, but I've said before, I'm not I am not a normal 35, 36 year old, I'm 36 now, but I'm not 30, normal 35 year old, like I'm physically fit as ever mentally fit as ever. So it was one of them that, yeah, that played a part which I was disappointed about because I knew that what I'd done and what I'd achieved at the club and uh, to leave under that sort of circumstances did, did hurt me, you know. But again, I will always look back with fondness and, and a smile on my face and think, yeah, I gave my all for the club.
0: So we know you're not adverse to multiple stints at a football club. Obviously, been been to and back to Millwall without disrespect to Crawley. We've been relegated. We're desperate for defenders. Is there any prospect whatsoever of, of Tony Craig returning to,
1: to where the famous quarters have won last time? Uh, it's one of name. You know, I think uh, I think Joey um, Jerry Barton, obviously, he knows his players. He's uh, certainly got his list of uh, priorities uh, and everything like that. And I, I think it's exciting times, you know. Obviously, I think he's certainly going to put his own stamp on the team and uh, one which I'm looking forward to see what direction he takes the club and see what signings they do. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's interesting times down there
0: was a smooth way of saying no comment we'll uh, keep, keep, keep the hope up keep, keep the hope alive We are uh, pray to see Tony again but if not then I'll be across from from Belfast to see Crawley away without, without question just to or and Crawley it home just to get a chance to I think most Robots fans are in that position where we're gutted that that 600 was goodbye and we didn't get a chance to so I don't know I don't want to speak for Charlie and Ollie and everybody else but I think really like it's just one of those that we just we, we, it, you know the retain list is something that people look out for every year. And to see your name on it after the you know certainly the start of the season that, that rovers had and you know as you say you left and we were second in the league at halftime on boxing day and for the, the defense was a mainstay of for us to to not get the chance to sing your song again and, and have that moment would be was devastating really so um so yeah just keep that hope alive and we'll uh, we'll tap up we'll just keep mentioning Barton and Gorringe on Twitter and make sure it happens <laughs>
1: No, it's one of them. No, like I said, I appreciate it. You know, it's one of them that obviously I'd love to come back to. Well, at that time, obviously at the game, I knew it was my last game. It would have been lovely to obviously say goodbye around, like, do you know what I mean, go around, clap everyone, and, and all that. Because honestly, I, I really do appreciate the way the, the fans took me in. You know, seemed you know, they took me as sort all of like one of their own. Do you know what I mean that's a sort of close bond. It, bond it was for me. Uh, yeah, it's just a fantastic time. Uh two and a half years, you know, it went it went so quick. I just could not believe how quick that sort of time period went, you know. Um it <clears throat> was one of them that there was a lot of travelling back and forth. Uh I think even some away games, I used to sit on the train with the away and uh, with the away fans sometimes, you know. I think I got caught a few times. I think it was literally, I think I had me, me sort of hoodie up and head down and that, you know. But unfortunately, I think with the old London accent, I thought sort of gave me away sometimes and uh no, it's some, some great, great times and uh, I'll always look back with, uh, with great fondness
3: and uh, always smile on my face. Yeah, I think to sum up everything, I think if we're ever going to sum up you, I mean, that volley at Blackpool is probably the most unlikely Tony Craig thing we'll ever see. But that right. is bliss. Yeah, no,
1: you know, I won't lie. That's probably, uh, yeah, the way I caught it, I think you couldn't call it any sweeter, you know. I think you can tell by my celebrations, you say, oh my God, what have I just done here? <laughs> And that, and then, um, no, I don't think that will be repeated, that one, to, to be honest. No, that was, uh, that, that was a great, day, you know, that was a, um, that was a, g- a great, great team performance again. And again, I think, under Dow, I think that was a tricky period, I think, around, around him, you know. Uh, I don't think things were going uh, plain sailing and I think it was, uh, it gave him, well, un- unfortunately for Dow, I think it gave him a couple of more weeks and, uh, oh, excuse me, I just don't think it, unfortunately just didn't turn because Daryl Clark's a good good man you know he's a good football man he's a, an honest man and and for me I'm one of them if you tell me something and you stick to your word I'll always hold you in good like good word and ain't got a bad words to say and Daryl Clark what he promised me he done you know there was uh, a few cheaty days off for me here and there and that you know so obviously stay home and and that and he, he was brilliant, you know. And when he walked out that door, I was gutted to be honest with you. He, he's one of them, I was more hurt because obviously he brought me to the football club, and it's uh, one of them that maybe I felt a little bit let, let him down a little bit, responsible, you know. Because uh, again, he was uh, he's been there a number of years, and then next year I'll turn up and he, unfortunately, <laughs> he, he's unfortunately he's gone. But no, we uh, we, we keep in contact now, you know, once every three or four months, and uh, it's always good to catch up with him.
0: I was there for the um, the the Blackpool game as well, and I was I was fortunate enough to be right behind the like sort of directly in line behind the top corner. So if the top corner yeah. wasn't there, I would have caught it. Like it was just going, it was oh, it was the greatest. Oh, go, okay, that's
1: mine. Did you? No, I
0: didn't. I didn't. I knew, I knew as soon as that ball, as soon as I saw you peel off into the back stick, I thought, here we go. Beck and Bowers has got it, and you absolutely, the way you absolutely <laughs> thumped that top bin's unbelievable. <laughs> Had that belief, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were all sitting there, like we, we, we saw it, and we just we just looking around like the other two goals have been celebrated like we were just like just a, like a normal limbs goal. But we were looking around thinking, like we were like, What has just happened? It was just one of those that like, you didn't know where to be like, what the fuck? You or just mean, like,
1: you yeah. <laughs> mean don't worry about that I said that the
0: teleport has just happened, here I mean, the game's gone. If I'm scoring goals like that, the game's gone, it's yeah. done, I'm finished. Ah, <laughs> oh, superb. Have we got any, just just to wrap it up, if we've got any questions from, from Twitter, Ollie, do you want to take the handle of this and see what we've got on there?
2: Be yeah, calm. I can. can <laughs> do. So, Tony, we've had a number of questions from coming through on Twitter. Some of them we've already covered, to be honest. Um, we had a question in, an interesting question, sort of away from football, really, from BRFC Harry 2, who says, what is your ideal Saturday night?
1: My ideal Saturday night, I'll be boring. Yeah, okay. Two out with the boys on a night out, of course, but more than no, that, it's it's one thing that sitting in uh, watching telly, having a pizza with the, the missus and the kids. I'll be, I'll be boring there, you know. But it's it's one of you you always love a, a boys' night out or enjoy the boys out, as they say.
2: So, other another tweet in from B R F C Lewis who says, um, "What's your favourite memory at the gas?"
1: Um, do you know what I, I won't lie the, the personally the last game you know that Sunderland one you know 600 games uh, obviously the, the way the club treated me not only me but my family uh, was was fantastic you know it was just a fantastic occasion obviously the result helped massively uh, and that but sometimes that it's nice to get them single plaudits and that. And the way the, the way the club treated me that night, I will never ever forget. And it's something which will uh, live with me forever.
2: So we also had a question in from Caitlin, who says, in your time playing in front of the Ravers fans, what was your um, the favourite song that you liked to hear? Was it Goodnight Irene' or maybe that, was there another favourite that you quite liked?
1: No, I always, yeah, always listen to the old good Mahine one. Yeah, of course, you know. And again, it's obviously, I didn't mind the old uh, single song for myself, you know, I wouldn't mind that <laughs> one carrying along, but no, it's obviously a good night one, yeah, of course.
2: And then finally on Twitter, we had a tweet in from Dilcox who is very prominent on Twitter, and he said, How much to come back?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, you know, no it's, uh, yeah, it's um, speak to Joe. <laughs> all, all, how many zeros Tony
0: just say <laughs> just say how many zeros and we'll get it done
1: I'll tell you what what they pay a 36 shot I don't think it'd be that many zeros nowadays
0: It <laughs> <laughs> might just be a load of zeros but we'll do it we'll do it <laughs> if you're in charge I'll be alright then yeah, yeah. Oh, without question without question some of the some of the defending we've seen this year and the amount of times you're thinking where's Tony Craig gone like what where, why do we not have Tony Craig the amount we can see different set pieces amount of people just just walking by, and it's a shame because there are some good defenders in that team, but they just don't seem to have that that focal point, that that, that leadership that you were brought in to, to to do by Dale Clark. And yeah, it's uh, it's not going to be fun watching you, Bosher, boss the Crawley back for inevitable one nil wins home and away next season, <laughs> unless unless we can nick you again. But um, I know that Tony. Thank you so much for your time. I can't can't appreciate it. I know. I, appreciate- I know the, the Rovers fans have. We'll, we'll love this, um, you know, and we really appreciate the, the time that you've given us. So cheers, Tony. Thank, thank you very much. Me on. I really appreciate I really enjoyed it. Yes, and, uh, cheers, Tony. No problem. Iron gents. My Lord, what an episode that was. Um, Tony Craig, obviously loves the club, gutted to have gone. Um, kind of wished he stayed and so did we um so yeah thanks for listening guys Uh, again just wanted to remind you just point you in the way of a raffle um you know the more we raise the better we're hoping to raise between sort of 500 quid and a grand but obviously we're not going to set a ceiling on that um so yeah please do you know if if you've enjoyed this podcast please go in and donate to the to the raffle which you know is on our socials it's on our facebook it's on our twitter and again a massive thank you to today's sponsor jean's barber over on Froom valley road in edmund cheers guys catch you in the next one